0: I think the, the most common question that I've had over the last little bit is what is seed and salt? You know what? why, why are we calling the series seed, seed and salt and uh, I'll, I'll bring in the Smiths in a minute, but Seed is obviously that which we sow, right? We've got it. We sow it and we're not supposed to eat the seed. We're supposed to sow the seed So we've got bread to eat and seed to sow. You'd have heard that that's spoken of often Um, And we get fed each week, we get fed and we get fed and we get fed and so that we're overflowing with seed and that seed has got to be used to sow. And we see often we see poverty or lack because people are eating and we are eating our seed instead of sowing it. And you say well that's so unfair because some of us are scraping just enough together that we've got to eat everything we can get. And yet, it says um, in Mark 12 about the widow's might she gave out of her poverty, she gave. And, friends, out of our poverty, we've got to sow something so that we can get reaping and sowing as a principle that God has given us. And so, that's part of our seed. We're full of seed. Even when it's a very little bit of seed, we still sow it. And so that we can get the the principle going. And uh, so, seed is what we are full of. We're full of that, that stuff called seed. And uh, we've got to use it in the going process. And then, so what is salt? That salt, I've looked up, there's some interesting things about salt. Salt is obviously a preservative and what we use to preserve things. It makes bread more palatable. Have you eaten bread without salt? It's not quite the same as it is when it's got salt in it. And you say, yeah, but salt's so bad for you. Mm, It's not really. Too much is bad for you. But enough salt is just right. And so we have these interesting things. Salt's been used in many cultures as a valuable commodity. And Heather went uh, and spoke in in Richard's Bay the other day about the salt route, where camels and animals would carry the salt. Salt would dribble out the bags and it would spill over onto the sides. No no, uh, plants would grow there. And there would be this root, the salt root of carrying this valuable, valuable commodity along the road. And the word salary comes from an ancient word meaning salt money. It was the amount of money a Roman soldier would be given to buy his allocation of salt. And still today we we speak about people um, earning their salary being worth his salt. You still hear it. And uh, and so the salt is, is this amazing property in it that it's been used to express over the years, express promises and friendships between people and uh, who, what was his name? Craig Clark, apparently had just spoken before Heather about a peck of salt, which is a quantity of salt, it's enough salt, and they worked it out. If you share a peck of salt with someone, it's a bucket of salt, and it's enough salt that by the end of that, you will have a relationship, you will know that person properly. It's an incredible thing, salt. It's not just a a commodity. Nowadays, we don't really, salt's not that valuable to us. It makes food taste nice, but we've got refrigeration. So you don't need salt so much as we did in the old days. The Greeks considered it to be divine. Uh, Today, in many Arab cultures, today, if two men partake of salt together, they are sworn to protect each other, even if they were enemies before. Interesting. Salt. Valuable. Some cultures, uh, people throw salt over their their shoulder to make a promise. I promise. Chuck it over your shoulder. These are superstitions, friends. You don't have to go and do them. (laughs) Okay, don't let's get left behind here. In the ancient world, salt was a way of making an agreement binding. If you remember Boaz, Boaz and Ruth, Boaz goes to redeem um, a a plot of land, and with that plot of land comes Ruth and Naomi. And so he goes to the kinsman redeemer who's near it, uh, to them than, than Boaz and says, do you want the land? And it, long story short, he says, no, he doesn't want it. And so he takes off his sandal and gives it to Boaz. And that was now binding. Go figure. Anyone wants my techies, they're welcome. But it was the same with salt. You shared salt, that made things binding. When you eat salt together, that, that contract was irrevocable. And I'll tell you what, In three times at least in the Bible, it speaks of a salt covenant. I must have read it dozens of times. I've never, ever noticed. But in 2 Chronicles, and I'm going to read it out of the Bible. Not many people have their Bibles because they've got it on their phones apparently. But it's a book. It's amazing. This book, let me tell you, nice book you've got there. Now, I'm not sure whether you're playing on it or reading it, but this book is our seed. It has got seed more valuable than all the seed in the whole wide world. Making huge song and dances about ships leaving uh, the Ukrainian harbors and going, they're letting them out now so they don't have arms, but they've got seed in it. Friends, more valuable is this book's got more seed in it. More seed for us. That's irrelevant compared to what I was going to say, But it's important. In 2 Chronicles 13, verse 5, it says this. I'm sure you've all read it and I'm sure you've all noticed it. But don't you know that the Lord, the God of Israel, has given the kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever by a covenant of salt? Have you noticed that before? I've never, ever noticed it. By a covenant of salt. And here, yes, so Abijah refers to the strong, legally binding promise of God to give Israel to David and his, and his sons. Promise. Irrevocable. God sets it up. In Leviticus, it says this. In Leviticus 2, verse 13, it says so God's talking about grain offerings. You, in your grain, when, when you are giving your grain, you may bring them to the Lord as an offering of the first fruits, but they are not to be offered on the altar as a pleasing aroma. Season all your grain offerings with salt. Makes it binding. It's a radical thing. I've never, I'm on, it's ridiculous. I've never seen it. But it's binding. It's critical part of it. And then in Numbers chapter 18, verse 19, says this. It says, to, he's speaking to the priests now. so the priests don't get land. they get provision from God via the people. And in verse 19 it says, "The meat is to be yours just as the breast of the wave offering and the right fire yours. Whatever is set aside from the holy offerings the Israelites present to the Lord, I give to you and your sons and your daughters as your regular share. It is an everlasting covenant of salt." Amazing. God sets up these covenants in salt. Salt, it's this amazing thing. It's always been known as its preservative qual- uh, qualities. But the idea of a covenant carries this huge deal of a meaning because of the value of salt. It's an amazing thing. And so when Jesus tells his disciples, Go into the, all the world, you are the salt of the earth. There's huge history behind what he's saying. He's not just saying, oh, be salty. No, no, no. There's a, a covenant that goes behind it. It gives believers value that we've never had before. And it's never, the the, the thing that interests me is the salt covenants never directly Laid out. You know, in Leviticus, God says, take a, a, a thigh of this animal and a salt of this and a, and a seed. And, and he explains everything and how to do it. He never does that with the salt covenant. It's just explicit. It's just implicit, sorry. It's implied what the salt covenant is all about. And so we have to use, ask this question, how do we use the salt? Why is seed and salt? So we've got seed. And then we've got this valuable thing called salt. And friends, I have many times In fact, let me just say this quickly. Matthew 5:13 speaks about salt. It says, "We are the salt of the earth." And it says, if we're not salt, the salt of the earth, what good is salt when it loses its saltiness? it's thrown on the ground and men walk on it. We've got to use our salt before it becomes useless. And so we've got to be you're outgoing. And I've spoken many times from this pulpit about the cry of ascending God. We have this God who sends; He sends us out, and uh, as we move along. Oh, see, my time! I thought the time was ten thirty-seven already, which would have been a bit scary. But uh, we see it over and over again of this sending God. He sends Abraham. He sends out everybody that goes. He sends Moses. He sends Joshua. He sends the prophets. He sends Jesus. Jesus sends the disciples, he sends Paul and he sends us and that's who we've got to be be going and why do we go? Because it speaks about being obedient and if you remember a a couple of weeks ago Nick spoke about being radically obedient and he said there is, you're out, no such thing. You're either obedient or we're disobedient, one or two, there's not a big grey area in the middle. You know, when we tell our children what to do and help them understand that it's helpful, you know, our children, we train them to be obedient, not for any other reason really than to hear their heavenly Father speak and they're obedient to Him. It's the whole, there's a line up here. There's a bigger picture than just please pick up your clothes. And we teach them obedience to do this and do that. And when they do it, we don't say, you're amazing. They just, man, if you don't do it, I'll knock you out. Same with the commander. You know, your platoon commander says, now this platoon, you go from there to there in the army. And if you do, he doesn't jump up and down and pat you on the back and say you're amazing. And if you don't, he disciplines you to the moon and back until you are obedient. There's an obedience of the going in Scripture. We're not applaud. Listen, it's different when the children can't see you. And you Yes, Lord, thank you so much that they're being obedient. But not in front of them God just it's like the servant you know the servant comes in from the field and he doesn't get a pat on the back wonderful have some water no 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 he carries on serving it's our job it's our task of being obedient so what then does the the Bible say about being salt and seed well there are numbers of commands not suggestions and so I'm going to tell us a couple of commands and in response to what the Smiths have to say and so let's have a look at, at Mark chapter 16 Mark chapter 16, I'm sure that your electronics get there quicker, uh, Raymond. But it's so satisfying with paper. You'll have to turn over and you leave. And bear in mind, you do read 30% faster out of a Bible. Okay, out of, out of paper. So even if I turn slow, at, at least I get there. And uh, it goes quickly. In verse 15 it says, He said to them, that's Jesus, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They'll drive out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, they'll pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They'll place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. What does it say? Go into all the world. Matthew 28, exactly the same, similar Scripture, a little bit more details, but Matthew 28 says this. It says, then, Jesus, in verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is what we did last week, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. But what does he say? Go. That word go is a command, not a suggestion. We do not have a choice, friends. The Bible, is you can't have bits of the Bible that you like and bits of the Bible that you don't like. We've got to use the whole Bible from Old Testament to New Testament, and it says go. You can't get around it. We cannot avoid it. In Exodus chapters 3 and 4, a very interesting little bit of Scripture where Moses is in the desert. So you understand he's gone from a palace to leading a bunch of sheep around. And sheep are thick as three planks. They are properly. That, that's not a promotion. Go from a palace to leading sheep. They, they're dumb. Ask the farmer. They're dumb. There's nothing, you, I, you can't even be nice about it. They're just dumb. And so now, Moses is in the desert. He's leading them around. And the next minute, there's a burning bush going down. We know the story, and God calls him out of the desert. Says, Moses, I'm here. I'm your man. Eleven times, at least, God either speaks to Moses, or there's a sign that says, I'm God, and I can do what I'm about to ask you to do. And Moses, what does he do? He says, please, Lord, someone else. Not a good answer. And in verse Exodus 34, it speaks about the character of God, right? Later. God is slow to anger. So God now, for 11 signs later, loses his... He gets angry. (laughs) In chapter 4, verse 14, it says, God's anger burned. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want God's anger to burn against me. See, what happened to the Egyptians when God's anger burned? they drowned it. They did. They drowned. Finished. I don't want that to happen. See, friends, God says go. Christian last week, he spoke so wonderfully about going. His first go was 20 meters long. So it's not about the length or the distance. It's about the epic and the door that God opened for him to walk through. See, I don't want to walk through doors that I have to bang, I've tried. You get sore toes, very sore heads, and generally your nose is flattened and it doesn't work. I've tried. We walk through the doors that God opens for us. We walk through doors where a lady gives a gift to somebody who takes it to a thousand kilometers away and they find them and that's an open door. And people are changed and it's radical. Friends, we've got to go through the doors that God's got for us. I want to go fully salted up. I want to sow fertile seed on soil that the Holy Spirit has prepared. Otherwise, we're wasting our time, surely. And so often, friends, we don't see the results that we went. In 1 Corinthians, 3, verse 5, it speaks of it's that scripture where Paul says, Who's Apollos? Who's Paul? They're just servants, and you came to believe as each assigned was assigned to his task. Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God makes it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who who waters is anything, but only God. Only God's the one that counts here. And we are just workers in God's field. Friends, we're just workers. We can't tell what's going to happen. And over the years, starting out with Breakthrough Church, Sean Reed, who was on that same trip that the Smiths were on, uh, started going to Tofu, Mozambique. Uh, Glenridge started going... Capital City Church in Pretoria started going, and now this crew of churches with City Gate and The Rock and all the rest, all have gone up to Mozambique. And many of you sitting here have been. And uh, for years we've been there. We've prayed. We've sown resources. We've seen people's lives changed. We've seen people saved. We've baptized them. We've seen people come and go. We've been part of the Mozambican people's lives. It's been a wonderful thing. We've helped build houses. We've painted their houses. And recently we've heard of two NCMI churches have planted in there, in Tofu. The the team has planted two churches. Have we had anything to do with that? Absolutely nothing. But we've sowed and we've spent time and we've prayed and we've tilled the soil so that it's fertile and ready. We've sowed our seed there and someone else has, has reaped. The Mozambican people actually have reaped, but God's made it grow. And it's mind-bogglingly wonderful that we don't get to take the glory here. God does. God gets everything. And the next time we may plant a church on someone else's hard work and hard toil, who knows? It doesn't really matter. But when we're obedient, things happen. When, th- when we listen and say, God, I'm going, that's it. And the reality is, not everyone's going to stand at a pulpit and preach. But everyone who goes is going to say something. By your attitude, by your posture, by who you speak to, how you pray for someone, what you do, everybody's got a contribution because everyone's got some seed to sow. Everyone. And we go salty. I cannot stay away from the nations. Why? Because God's love compels me. Man, there is North America desperate. Ask Graham and and Emmy. They're desperate for, for us. South America, Europe, Asia, 1040 window, man, desperate for people like you and me to get into the nations. Why? Because Christ's love compels us, it says in 2 Corinthians 5. It's a selfless, servant hearted thing to go. It costs, it's expensive. Ask Richard, it's not free to get into the nations, but people get healed. If you remember that story about Marnali, no one remembers because no one can remember her name and no one can remember how you pronounce her name. But Marnali, 20 years old, felt that God didn't see her, God didn't know her, hated her name, and no one could ever spell her name. But she arrived and Marnali just triggered, I don't know what, Clint Walton asked, every time she walked into the, the room, we sang her name. Marnali, Marnali. Off we went, every time got irritating for most people. But for Mauna Lee had set her free that God saw her. God, you see me. You know my name. Man just, she just went. Now that's Mozambique. No, no Mozambican got impacted. But Mauna Lee got set free. We went. We went to Mozambique. If some of you, all you saw was someone dipping a chocolate bar into some condensed milk. And by the way, for the record, it wasn't me. And you think, is that all that's happened? Or you've prayed for someone and nothing happened. Maybe you don't know what happened in the back. What did you achieve? Maybe someone's life got changed. Maybe you bumped into a Muslim and smiled at them and it changed that person's life and maybe they're in the 1040 window preaching the gospel now. I don't know. Maybe. You just never know. Maybe. Maybe they heard the gospel and that day they went to where you only hear the gospel once every 20 or 30 years. Maybe, I don't know. You think, well, how have I been affected? Maybe there's a little guy called Diego who watched us playing rugby on the beach and said to us, hey, what's the deal here? We play soccer here, not rugby. He didn't really get it. So, and someone engaged with him. He got saved. He went away and got married. Went and studied in Beira. He's now a deacon in his church advancing the kingdom. But maybe because we were there, I don't know. But God's got a way. Of doing these things so maybe tomorrow your random act of kindness changes someone's life it's your 20 meter first walk I don't know or maybe the locals that Sheena local a bunch of local guys that Sheena McDonald sat in a little fisherman's shack and described with pictures from Genesis all the way through to Revelation on the board how it all fits together and how the scarlet thread of Jesus fits through every book in the Bible maybe just maybe that changed a few people's lives and that they can teach on the whole Bible instead of just the three books that they love. Maybe they've cha- I don't know, but that's what going does. Maybe it's sitting like Sean Howell in a fishing boat, not being able to speak a word because they speak Portuguese and Sean doesn't, but maybe his random act of kindness of a smile has changed those fishermen's lives forever. I don't know, but maybe there's a chance that these things have happened. Friends, we've got seed, we've got to sow it. In Lesotho, on, in October, we're going. There's a leader's training time. Come. It'll change your life. Go to Mozambique on our next trip. I'm not sure when it is, but we're going to go there. It's an amazing opportunity. We've sown our prayers, friends. We've sown our words, our preachers, and in Mozambique, we've sown our seed potatoes. You know, you can plant seed potatoes in a, in a rubber tire, and you put soil in, and they sprout, and you put another tire, and they put more soil, and they sprout, and by the time it's four tires high, You've got a harvest of potatoes. It's it's the most amazing thing. Or you can eat your seed potatoes, which most people did. We had one success story in that whole lot. We planted hundreds of seed potatoes, and they all got eaten, except one guy. One guy grew this amazing harvest. In fact, Kelmito, who has been working with us for years and years, He grew these seed potatoes, and they grew into a harvest of potatoes. most ridiculous thing, you get tons of potatoes out of these four tiles. You can plant again, and you start again, because it's nice and hot in Mozambique. It just grows and grows and grows. It's a radical thing. We're planting these seed potatoes. So what could go wrong? And that's the question. But we've got to be faithful to sow, because otherwise, we don't get mashed potato. We just get a wasted seeds that are eaten up. And uh, friends, seed and salt is what it's all about. We've Christ's love compelling us to go. See, the Smiths have got to remember what they've just gone through. So, for three Z's, their lives are changed forever. Forever. Zion can never look back and say, well, nothing happened. I don't know. No, no, no. It's radical. Friends, please may I encourage you? We've got salt. We're salty, and we've got seed. There's tons of it. And you say, well, I haven't got anything to give. i tell you what, go and buy a Portuguese Bible and take it with you. You've got seed to give. Everybody's got something to give. Everybody. I promise you, uh, from the person who looks after the pantry and makes sure that everyone gets fed, that person is as valuable as the preacher, and I tell you, it changes everybody's lives. Amen. Please take your families. Please go with family. Please. It changes, it gives everybody a bigger perspective. From a, from a little one running around playing in the sand to a bigger one preaching and everything in between. Please come with us. Please go on your own. It's 20 meters that will change your life. Whether it's 20 meters or turning around in a food queue and saying hi to someone. Random act of kindness change someone's lives. So, Lord, amen. Okay. Father, I really just pray for just every one of us seated here, Lord God. I pray that your love would grip our hearts and compel us into the nations, propel us into the nations of the world, Lord. Thank you that you have said go. Your last, the last thing you said when before you left was go. Yeah. That was your last word, and you haven't withdrawn it that I know of. And Lord, I thank you for all the opportunities. I thank you for the wonderful people in the nations of the world that some of whom have never heard of you. And maybe a little smile from me will change their lives. And we just ask you, Lord, that every one of us Lord, if we haven't got a passport, may we get one. If we haven't got the finances, may you provide for it. And Lord, we want to go as far as you would send us. In Jesus' name. Amen.